You, why do you try? Why do you try so hard? I'm why not, do you try so hard? I'm, I'm not. You I, are. You're trying I, really hard. You are. They they do have. I, mean, I hate I hate Freddie Mercury because he sings really good, and I only like bad singers no. like Jonathan Davis. I don't like Freddie Mercury because he sings so good. I don't like everybody else. And I think I think Taylor is underrated because he plays basic drum beats the entire time. Okay, whatever. That's cool, man. That's all right. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! <laughs> Did you say, is it on? Yeah, because I couldn't tell if it was on from my angle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. <laughs> this is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast. This is the greatest podcast you'll ever hear in your entire life because what we do is we take a different album from a different band every week and we do all the research you can possibly do. We find out all the secrets about these records and then we let you all know about it because that's what we do because we're cool guys. So... Uh, while you're listening, go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. Thank you to all who have ever listened and still listen and have subscribed to us. That's awesome. My name is Tyler. Way out there, hundreds of miles away, way out there in the ether, is Jeff. So, what album are we doing today, Jeff? <laughs> we are doing Queens. Why are you laughing? A Night at the Opera. Trigger now he's dead. 
Queen, formed in 1970 in London, England, by Brian May on guitar, Roger Taylor on drums, Freddie Mercury on vocals, and Mike Gross on bass. Throughout their career, the band have put out 15 full-length records, two EPs, 12 live albums, 18 compilations, and have sold well over 170 million copies worldwide. But the album we're doing today is A Night at the Opera. It's the band's fourth record, and it was released November 21st, 1975. It features Brian May on guitar, Freddie Mercury on vocals, Roger Taylor on drums, John Beacon on bass, and is the band's best-selling album with over 11 million copies sold worldwide. Now, Jeff, what what is your origin story with the band Queen? What do you got? Go. I, I'm, I'm sure my origin story is, is much like any youth growing up in, in the late 80s, 90s is, is we will rock you and we are the champions. I mean, mm-hmm. pretty much like every little league game that we played at some point, you would you would do like the booch and like you would make up your own little thing for it, not knowing like where it came from. And then or you got you start to notice it more in movies at the time. And there's a lot of cheesy sports movies in the 90s. And so you would, oh, you would yeah. hear you would hear it a lot. Um, that's that's for sure my first introduction to Queen. Um, sadly, like I never listened to a full album in, until like recently. But but again, mm-hmm. like like we we knew a lot of their songs and we loved a lot of their songs. Like Killer Clean, Queen, Clean, Killer Clean. Clean. We named Clean. our our <laughs> band off of our original <laughs> podcast off of. That's you know that's, yeah. it is what it is right, all right. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's not. So uh, that that's that's my that's my origin story. I guess I don't I don't really have one. But my new my newfound love for Queen came from which is kind of cool actually. The purpose of a record store is to introduce you to things that you may never have heard. But my 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 older mm-hmm. person origin story is is at a record store hearing uh, a song from Jazz, their seventh album. And being like, holy fuck, this is really good. What, like, 70s or 80s punk band is this? And this is actually Queen, bro. And that was, that was like, wow, these guys, I need to, I need to listen to more. Our origin stories are very similar. It was uh, through sports, probably baseball, because that was the first sport I actually played. Uh, I mean, We Will Rock You, that is, I mean, everyone knows that chant. Everyone knows the, the hitting of the fists on a table or whatever. It's so iconic. Uh, I mean, so that that was my first introduction to the band. But the first time that I ever took notice of who the band was was with Bohemian Rhapsody. I, my mom was has always been a Queen fan, and I remember I had to have been like six, maybe seven, and we were driving around. Uh, I don't remember where we go. It doesn't matter where we're going. But she put on Queen's Greatest Hits, and Bohemian Rhapsody was on there, and it 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 confused me because I remember. The, the 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 bridge the middle part of the song the operatic part when there's one one vocal part on the right side and then there's another vocal part on the left side and as a kid that blew my mind like how did they how did they do that and it kind of scared me because I, I hear one thing over there and I hear another on the left side and so I was kind of st- I was kind of scared and it just but it it just it was so unique and something I never heard at such a young age and that was kind of my my first introduction. And like you too, like I never listened to any of their records, just only their greatest hits. And those greatest hits, I know every word to those songs. Because I mean, who the hell doesn't? Because I mean, my my mom too. We listen. We listen. We used to listen to Queen all the time, but she never, 
she never had like any of their records. She only ever had the greatest hit stuff. So, I mean, growing up listening to those two, the, the blue one and then the, like the maroon one, right? Yeah. Yep. So those those ones you had those CDs. Yeah. yeah. And I remember the, 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 the blue one was the better one, I think. Cause that was the one that had Bohemian Rhapsody on it. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Whichever one was first, yeah. that was the, like the, the, the real hits. And then like the seventies yeah. and then early eighties, the other one was more early eighties and then yeah. on. Exactly. So that, that, that was my introduction. And, I mean, up at, until this week, I had never listened to any of their records in their entirety. And the only reason I did it was because we're doing this on the pod. And it was fun. It was it was a good... I mean, I only, mind you, I only listened to the stuff from the 70s. But it was a good listen. Overall, it was a good listen. So that's my origin story. Um, so then what do you... Uh, what's your first impression on this record, A Night at the Opera, from the Queens? You know, this is, this is, their, this is their most popular... Um, this is their most popular, I think, because it has Bohemian Rhapsody on it. I don't, I don't think it's their strongest. I don't think it's, it's truly like their best. But what I will give it is, besides like News of the World, this is the best picture of who Queen wanted to be. This is the best. Mm-hmm. Like this is truly perfection to them. I think this is what they really, really strive to be, and not just. Not just Bohemian Rhapsody, but the but the album as a whole. I don't. I mean, I don't have like any stinkers, nothing. But there's there's a lot on here, and I I think this is this is this is probably what they felt is like their best that they ever did. I I, I agree with you on that one for sure, because this is this is the epitome of Queen. This is what everyone knows Queen as is this style, the the ballads, kind of the fast stuff. The I don't know. It's this is Queen through and through. What everyone would associate with them. Yeah. And um and my, my, my thoughts are, are the same as you. Like this is not my favorite. I don't think it's their best. But the only the reason why we decided to go with this was because I had never heard anything and I thought, okay, we gotta talk about Bohemian Rhapsody, so let's just do the record that that song is on and come to find out it's not my favorite record of theirs, but that's okay too. I mean it's it's, it's still solid. Man, it's 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 hard not to even like like do Bohemian Rhapsody because it's it's arguably like one of the greatest songs ever written. It, it just is. Yeah. It's it's so fucking perfect. It's so iconic. It's so it's so entertain entertaining to anybody because of how catchy it is, how weird it is. But it's it's just such a perfectly crafted song, and you don't even realize how long it is until like after it's over, and you feel kind of like exhausted for having like belted out so many of the vocals for the past six minutes. So mm-hmm. I, we, you're right. Like we, I didn't want to do this one, but we definitely should have done this one because as, as much as like everybody is all over Bohemian Rhapsody, there's, it's one of those songs that, that deserves every, every bit of the credit that it gets. Absolutely. Right. Totally. Right. The, I, I don't have any stinkers on this record and you said you don't, you don't either. No, no. Okay. Um, do you want to just get into Bohemian Rhapsody right now, or do you want to wait until we get that to that as a banger, if it even is a banger for you? I mean, that's my number one banger. That's, that's stupid not to put it as your. Oh, number, is it? Oh, okay. That's stupid not to put <laughs> okay. as your number one banger. That's silly. That's that's just okay. That's just, that's trying too hard. I I, I have six. <laughs> I have six bangers with 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 two almost being bangers, but because the other six are really good, I didn't put them as bangers. So I have six bangers. Bohemian is my number one banger just because I, I, I do. I think like 
I think Bohemian Rhapsody is, is easily top three best songs just like ever written, like objectively, mm-hmm. subjectively. I, I think there's there's nostalgia attached to it. I think it's just a, a fantastic song. I think it's well written. I think everybody does their part. It's dude, it's a killer song, and it's it's hard, it's hard to argue like against it. And and I really mm-hmm. tried, like I really tried to get in here and be like, why is Bohemian Rhapsody not that great? I couldn't do it. You can't come up with anything. I couldn't come up with one fucking reason why it's not that great. <laughs> no, it, I, I'm with you. This is my favorite song. This is the biggest banger on this one. Uh, this is uh, I I got eight. I have eight bangers. Got no stingers, but I got eight bangers, and this is definitely number one. You cannot beat this song on this record at all. Um, wh- yeah. I mean, where do you <laughs> want to start? Shoot. I mean, like first of all, there's there's really not there's I, I don't even know if we've ever done it, but there's not a lot of times on this pod where we find a song that is truly untouchable. Yeah. Like both of us agree that like this song is untouchable. Like Bohemian Rhapsody is, is for all for all like the pomp and circumstance surrounding it, for how much time went into making this song, this song is 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 pretty untouchable. Yeah. And you know it's crazy like it, it this song did take a long time. Well, this song didn't take a long time to put together. It it, it took 3 weeks. And considering everything that went into it, three weeks isn't a long time. That, Not at all. For, that is, for one song. That is this true. Complex. That is true. But don't forget that they that that's three weeks after already doing songs on Sheer Heart Attack, after doing songs on Queen Two, where they ran that tape down to basically fucking the bones of it. So they already had a ton yeah. of practice. And essentially all of the all the layer layering and the dubbing from Queen Two, Sheer Heart Attack, that was all leading up to Bohemian Rhapsody. Like that was all practice of the dubbing that would be done on Bohemian Rhapsody. So three weeks. Yeah. But like they had three years of practice before that. True. And also the the the, the idea behind Bohemian Rhapsody started because uh, this is a Freddie Mercury song. He wrote this song. And this this all began in 1969 uh, in a previous band he was in. This is where the whole idea came came about. And so it kind of had been stewing for years until they, they got to this record. And he finally decided, this is what I want to do. They felt like they could be ambitious enough to do it. Because at this point, they were completely broke. And they were kind of thinking, let's just go balls to the wall and just do whatever we want. Because this is probably the last record we'll ever make. So if it if it fails, then it fails. But if it's a success, that's amazing. Yeah. So they kind of went into that, into this record with that attitude, and uh, and and yeah, and, and reading more about it, I mean, this song, every I mean the the three members sing. So Brian May, Freddie Mercury, and Roger Taylor, they they all sing on this one because John Deacon's not a singer. So every vocal part you hear is one of those three guys, if not all of them at once, and. From what I was reading, they 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 worked for ten twelve hour days just singing and getting these parts yeah. down <laughs> with all those overdubs. I read something like there were something about something like one hundred eighty separate overdubs on this song. That's insanity. That that's that's even crazy for nowadays. You know, with all the Pro Tools and the unlimited shit you could do on Pro Tools, like <laughs> on, this on tape is that's, is insane. <laughs> That like the whole the whole time listening to Queen, all I thought about was was how much we shit on Feldon for overproducing albums. <laughs> like, <I was laughs> That's just, what they do. I was just like, dude, these guys these guys overproduced all of their albums, like not just like tenfold, but like one hundredfold. And and mm-hmm. like John Feldman overproduces albums 
just by like you know like an annoying amount whereas yeah. like queen did it by such like an extravagant amount that it became like an iconic sound and like listening to them live like clearly it won't translate as well as it does on on album and it's just I don't know, man. It's 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 really it's really amazing how much I love the dubbing and the layering from this band. <laughs> it is fucking nuts. <laughs> I read too that 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 by the end of it, the tapes that they were that were, were being used were eighth generation tapes. So they had they had. Uh, it's just it's insane. Like the amount of effort <laughs> they put into this one song. This is like the equivalent of John Feldman doing like three hundred overdubs on Pro Tools. Yeah, I mean it. It, it shouldn't work. Like if, something if like even this that right? should like, not like, work. Like like and and, the, and and these guys were like cutting and splicing like by hand. A lot of this stuff yeah. was doing by hand, and so it wasn't. It's it wasn't a like painstaking a effort. copy and paste thing. And and uh, oh man, and like I don't know, dude. Bohemian Rhapsody is just. It, it truly is an untouchable song. Like like again, I I I think that Bohemian Rhapsody is like a top three greatest songs of all time. It's objectively subjectively collectively it's it's perfect man it is absolutely perfect and undoubtable i know and to make and regarding like the whole tape thing and and splicing to make to put it put it in even more context is that there were so many overdubs and when you think about it these guys had to get it right that one take like they didn't have a lot of wiggle wiggle room because there were so many overdubs already so they had to get those takes it wasn't a matter of let's do this and if it doesn't sound good, we'll just delete that part and then we'll re-sing it. It's like, no, they had to get it down. They had to get it right. Otherwise, it could just completely derail the entire song. Like seriously, right. derail it and destroy parts of the song if they did not, if they weren't in key or if they were off time or whatever, you know. It could really fuck up the whole thing. And I mean, props to these guys. They they did it and they, they did it well. Even, no even like going go, like going further into that aspect of it, the way I I understand it because I mean we grew up in the '90s, so that like this is like a thing of the past already. So mm-hmm. the way I understand it is it, when you're overdubbing things like this without the use of of Pro Tools or Fruity Loops or computers or anything like that. Even even if one thing doesn't sound quite right nowadays, you can you can you can slide by. If something is 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 off by like a millisecond, that's fine. But when you have like one hundred different layers, if that one thing is off by a millisecond, that's going to cause everything else to be off by a millisecond, which is adding up is going to be like a quarter of a second, and that's <laughs> yeah. noticeable. You know what I mean? That's detrimental. Like, that's song, noticeable. Yeah. Yep. So like everything, not just it doesn't have to be just be like really really good. It has to just be like beyond perfect. It has to just be so on point. And we shit talk a lot of guys, a lot of producers that overproduce things. And yes, this is clearly like the best example of something being overproduced. <laughs> but this takes skill, man. This takes this skill to do. And can you imagine the the nightmare it must have been to to mix and master this just the song, not even the record, this fucking song. <laughs> it had to have been a nightmare. I mean, and <laughs> There's no way, about, like, and nobody and nobody talks about that part of it. They they just talk about the recording and and all that. But dude, the mix and mastering would have been terrible. I mean, I mean, I'm surprised the the guy didn't have a fucking nervous breakdown from it. 
<laughs> this song is truly, truly remarkable. And like I said earlier, there's, I don't think there's any other band that could have pulled it off like this. Truly. It's, it, it's, it's, it's remarkable. So, so like the engineer for it was was this guy named Mike Stone, which we we went to we went to high school with a guy named Mike Stone. That's kind of funny, but he he That's worked true, with yeah. a lot of other bands that were really like Blue Oyster Cult. He worked with Kiss, um, Journey, I think. So like that dude, like you're 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 completely right. It's one thing to to be a band to be very hands on because this also was like like kind of co-produced by the band itself as yeah. well as as uh, fucking Roy or whatever the last name was. So it's 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 one thing to be a band and and then self-produce stuff and then and then make something that you really love, but then it's another thing to say like, hey man, what do you think about this? And then give somebody dude like like a tub <laughs> full of tapes with probably like fucking scotch tape written on them and like markings like play this first <laughs> yeah. and this is second and you know what I mean? Like here's forty five reels, check it out at oh, the same God, time what a nightmare what a fucking nightmare <laughs> like, think about it <laughs> i know there's just no way producers nowadays dude they just they i feel like an old guy you have no idea what it was like we had to walk fucking 15 miles uphill like producers <laughs> nowadays have no idea what it's like to produce like an album that actually took time and yeah. like a lot of time a lot of time a lot of practice like Van Weezer was produced by 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 some girl that's like fucking 25 or something like that like it's, <laughs> oh, it's yeah i read that yeah so I mean that like that's really cool, and, and they're they're reaching out to like new producers, but like we're we're in our mid thirties basically, yeah. And like there's just no way somebody in their mid twenties under can truly understand what it was like to really dig deep and work hard at producing because we don't even understand it. No. So th- there's 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 just no way. I, it's just it's I, I I can't I I honestly cannot imagine how much work it would it would be just to engineer just to mix just to master one song <laughs> of, of this capacity it, it boggles my mind it really not, does not to say that the producers and engineers out there haven't have it super easy because it's still a, it still can be a painstaking process you know it's not still it's not just like you know everything's perfect but you know in comparing the two they're just they're just night and day when it comes to difficulty but it's, i don't know and just the way that the song's structured too, it's just a, a perfect build up into the into the opera operatic part into the, the just the heavy the heavy guitars and drums and it, it's a perfectly written song. It it really is. It, it really takes you on a story, even though the story is incoherent. Like really, like I don't I don't know what he's talking about lyrically on this one. Yes. Do you? Have I agree, any dude. On that? No, I. Dude, people have have said numerous times like this is Freddie coming out. This is Freddie like telling us that. Like, no, I, I. I think I think Freddie Mercury just wrote a song that he thought sounded really fucking cool, and it just so happened to be like a story. But I think he yeah. wrote the music first and then added lyrics later. But he added the lyrics to complement how he wanted to sing the octaves he wanted to hit the operatic themes he wanted to hit. I think the story is like the last part of this song you should be focusing on. Like the words themselves are one thing. I I agree. But the cohesion is a completely separate thing. Yes. I totally agree. I think, I I think, I think it's fucking nothing. I I think so too. I think the lyrics are only there for him to hit the notes. Otherwise they're, they're essentially meaningless. I I really, really feel that way about it. And, uh, and what, what I, what I think is so interesting about this song too, is that, 
he, so Freddie's idea was like, okay, he, when he was, cause he wrote the entire song on piano. And when he, he said, I guess he was talking with one, I forgot who the guy was. He was talking with one of his friends and he was saying, okay, this is the song. And then right here is where I stop. And this is where the opera comes. I don't know how I'm going to do it or how we're going to do it, but this is what it's going to be. And then it just kind of like, that was it. Like the, there was no more, to, like they went out to dinner and that was it. And then they, they, they touched upon it later on, later on in time. And what I think is so cool about the opera part is that they didn't hire outside singers to come in. It was the three of them that did it. And I think that is just so fucking cool. And that's another thing that I respect so much about this band. If you look at most of the stuff they did in the 70s, every single one of the records, everything was done by the band. Like there was very little outside outside musicians or singers or anything like that. Like the band did everything. And I thought that was super rad. And this song is like the the peak of that DIY let's do everything ourselves in their songs because that's difficult. <laughs> It's difficult, and they they did it so well. I love it. I love it. I I I I totally agree. I I think this band. I mean, I I, I saw the movie, the the Rami Malek movie. And, oh yeah, and I have like no interest in that. It was it was cool. It was good. It, it got me interested, and I was like, oh yeah, cool. Like Queen's really cool. Like, I get it. And and this week I watched the Live Aid performance, and I watched a lot of like live stuff by Freddie, and I honestly I. My my image or my thought, what I thought was this band is is not what this band is at all, and I thought this yeah. band was Bohemian Rhapsody with a really flamboyant front man, and like that's not that's not like, it that's at not all. that's not yeah that's that's not it at all and and <laughs> that, that's like so I, I did there's so much dude there's just I don't even know I don't even know where to I don't even know where to go there's so much to talk about like I don't know how to how to corral it in, I, I, I guess. Uh, but like go, going off the Bohemian Rhapsody thing is, is it's, it's Freddie from like day one, like day one of, of meeting the other half, or I guess the other, yeah, no, 50% of the band because Deacon was in the band at the time, but meeting mm-hmm. Smile, the band before Queen, meeting uh, yeah. uh, Brian May and, and James, or um, James Taylor. Roger Taylor. <laughs> Roger Taylor. <laughs> Roger Taylor. You know, they, they all got like boring white people names. Like that's all like the Queen's English True. white people names. Roger Taylor. Oh, okay. That was not that was not Queen's English, but that's okay. Yes, it was. Yes, it well, was. Tottenham Hotspurs. Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> but like 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 Freddie meeting those people and then saying like, "Hey, dude, like, do you guys need a singer?" And they're like, "Nah, not really." And then their singer leaves. And he's like, "Are you sure? Because I can sing for you." And then they're like, "Okay." And he's like, also, we should change the That's name. How they to sounded too. They sounded like yeah. fucking eight-year-olds. No, because like Brian May and 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 James Taylor at the time, <laughs> it's it honestly seemed like when when Freddie like demanded to be in their band, they were just like, okay, that's cool, whatever. Because yeah, yeah. they didn't they didn't have like a consistent bass player, and it was just kind of like them noodling around. And I think Brian May and Roger Taylor are are fantastic musicians, but I don't oh, totally. think. I don't think they had the drive. I don't think they had. I don't want to say they didn't have the drive because they did have the drive. They didn't have. They had at the drive-in. At the, they didn't quite have at the drive-in like Freddie Mercury did. Yes. yes. Freddie Mercury. Man, Freddie Mercury. I, I don't give. Freddie Mercury is the greatest frontman that's ever been. Like ever been. Ever. Yeah. Like hands down, yeah. ever been. There, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. 
Uh, I, I I disagree with you on that. But you uh, you name me one other person. Name me one David other Lee person. Ron. That's false. David you Lee watch Ron. you watch you watch the Live Aid performance and Freddie Mercury's out there. It. I have watched it. I, I don't think you have. Otherwise, you fucking would swallow those words and, and never say those again because that's silly. David Lee Roth can command a a presence of you know ten thousand. That's fine. If that maybe <laughs> Freddie Mercury can can get Which is still so know, amazing. Uh, 150,000 people to literally eat out the palm of his hand and on a whim in a 20 that yeah. live aid performance is only 20 minutes it's only 20 yeah. minutes it wasn't like an hour and a half it was 20 minutes and from the moment the moment freddie mercury told that crowd what to do with his hands he didn't even say anything with his hands he told that crowd what to do 150,000 people did it you're telling me, David, this guy over here, fucking David Lee Roth, says, oh, my God. I'm, I'm going to move on because he's made me mad. Dude, it's, it is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. This band, honestly, this band is, like, underrated in their overrating exclusivity. No, I don't think they're underrated. I really don't think they're underrated. They are. They are. They are. They are 100%. This band yeah. is essentially, we will rock you. We are the champions in Bohemian Rhapsody with a fuck ton of... Other songs that are also really popular, like on their on their greatest hits albums. But when you get right down to it, these all of these guys are really really smart. Not just like smart business wise, but just really intelligent IQ high dudes that <laughs> yeah. knew that knew just not like a lot about music, but like a lot about life. Just very very wise from an early age, and then also just like very very smart guys. And mm-hmm. this this band is. I can't even think of another band that is even like this. There's, there's, there's been nobody. There may never be anybody. True. And and Freddie Freddie Mercury is is essentially two people. He's 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 Freddie Mercury that that we know and love his on stage persona, and then behind the scenes there's a Freddie Mercury that's shy, that's quiet, that's reserved, that doesn't like really the spotlight, wants to be left alone, doesn't talk a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's like incredible. That's incredible that he can he can find his outlet in music in this band. And even then, like like even the band, even the band members, like Brian May and 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 Taylor, because Deacon doesn't talk that much. Yeah. They they've said like numerous times, like yeah, like Freddie's Freddie's our boy, but like he's not like our best friend. He had his own life, and and he kept very private. Like even they didn't know everything about it. And Freddie Mercury, like. Wh- uh, dude, I, what do you want to talk about here? I, I'm getting off the rails here. I am. Dude, no, I, no, you gotta I, hold I, me I in. do want to reel me in. Reel me in. I do want to get more into the into the personal lives because only because they overshadow a lot of the music and that's really irritating. But let, let, let's because let, I do want to play the, the operatic part and like the heavy hitting part of, of Bohemian Rhapsody, and then we could wrap up this song and then move on. Does that sound good, dude. That 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 first that first like I don't know that first like. I don't know the, the the hard rock. Okay, so like, but like online, everybody <laughs> divides Bohemian Rhapsody into six parts, right? The intro, the the yeah. ballad, the guitar solo, the opera, the hard rock, and then the outro. Yeah, like that's that's how I did my notes, just because that's, that's how I that's read how it online. is in my notes too. Yeah, like that's how I'm. So that's how I'm I'm queuing up the song. So because I I was gonna start I was gonna start at the guitar solo and then play through most of the hard rock part. And then, okay, so and just then, I mean, just I, I'm I think the hard rock part, I think that is that is that might be the most explosive lead guitar riff 
of like all time an explosive meaning it has to come from something right the fuse has to be lit and it has to rise up to something i think that yeah. is arguably the most explosive guitar riff of all time yeah i i'm, I'm kind of with you it's it's truly something else <laughs> truly something it's else. Not, it's like fucking eight seconds long too it's not even that long and it's just it's it, it it's fucking face melting face melting and just that 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 drum part that da, 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 just the, the the snare hits and then it just i don't know there, there's so many perfect moments on this song i love it i i, I really do so I'm, I'm gonna start i'm just gonna start with the solo go up through the, most of the 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 heavy part and then uh and then we'll we'll, we'll get into it more so so here's a little bit more of bohemian rhapsody here we go There's uh, there's the final part of Bohemian Rhapsody from Queen, Queens of the Stone Age. Whew, that is, dude, that that is a wild ride. Every time I hear it, like I've never, never been tired from this song, never been bored from this song ever. Good stuff, man. Dude, it's just like the high vocals, like right leading into that that explosive guitar part, and it's, yeah, boy, it's. It is it is truly fantastic. And Roger Taylor, you know, he's like he has some really cool parts on this that are just that make those hit the these parts just it's the it's the icing on the cake. It's the cherry on top. You know, his, his drumming oh my god, dude, it's it's so simple, it's so basic. But it, it just it totally complements the, the craziness of the vocals and everything else in this song. It's truly remarkable. That's a remarkable song. 
that's like the depth of this band. I mean, this band is is essentially on the surface Freddie Mercury backed by by Brian May with some really cool bass lines, but then you you forget that there's a really good drummer and like a like a a well-trained drummer behind the kit that can really bring the heat and knows when to just let everybody else do their thing. Mm-hmm. And at a time when when these I mean Brian, I don't know why he still has that fucking hairdo, but at a time when like <laughs> like big hairdos were so popular, like why do they still have that hair? Why does he still have that hairdo? It's iconic. Cut your it's fucking his, hair, it's man! It's ugly. It's disgusting. You're too old for it. It's nasty. They can't even be real. I, I bet you, like, if he shaved his head one time, if that's even his real hair, if he shaved his head one time, it'd probably never grow back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it is fake, it's 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 interesting because then he he went from a black wig to a gray wig. If it, well, yeah, if, you know, he has like enough the, money it, for it. Well, he does, yeah, but it, it just seems so silly at that point. It's like if it's a wig, just stop wearing it. You know, why it's, why it's, switch from a black yeah. wig to a gray wig? Why? Because <laughs> people are fucking weird, man. Like like friend in the pot, Nick Nick, the conspiracy theory, Nick. He yeah. used to have really like luscious long hair, and he had a good lineup, dude. Like a like a like a pre balding LeBron James lineup. Like it was down on a like halfway down his forehead. Like it was a nice lineup, and yeah. he had long hair. He put in a ponytail, like a man bun. Like he folded up like fifteen times, and then one time he said he shaved his head like bald, and it never grew yeah. back. What? I swear, dude, that's what he said. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, do you regret it? He says, "Fuck yeah!" Like I, I never would have cut my hair. I had no idea I could grow back. That's so weird. <laughs> oh my god! That's, that's, that's so why I think. Bizarre. That's why I think like Brian May is is quite possibly bald, but he just wears a really. They're from like England, don't they wear like those powder wigs and shit all the time? Like that's what that's what they do. Doesn't Queen Elizabeth wear a powder wig? Sure does. <laughs> at least in the court system they do like the, all the judges they they all wear powdered wigs yeah like it's a joke right <laughs> like getting put to death is a fucking game because they wear powder wigs like oh geez <laughs> all right that's fine whatever let's, let's not mock the court system of an entire country that's, that's why cool. not we, we we do it to our own country why can't we do it to the that is true know, british so i mean we did like it's like Bohemian Rhapsody has been broken down to a to a to almost a fault, and it's like there's some. I was reading some stuff that made my head hurt. That I just I, I we're not like music majors, and we didn't like get a PhD in in musicology. So music don't want to get into that aspect. No musicology. Yeah. Don't want to get into that that aspect of it. You're an idiot. Um, but it's a it's a great song. So well, no, whatever. I, don't I know. know that some of the some people have broken it down to to. Just every single vocal thing he Freddie Mercury did on this song, every inflection, everything, like down to the fucking, I don't even know, just the the, the, the most minute detail they've broken down in this song when it comes to his vocals. And it's like mind-numbing. It's like, dude, nobody, I mean, nobody cares that much. I mean, I love this song, and it's fun to talk about the making of it and stuff, but things like that, it's just, it's it's too much. It's too much. My 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 first note that I wrote for Bohemian Rhapsody, like my first listen through, I always write like pre pre notes, yeah. and the first thing I just wrote was like shit, and then dot dot dot, just because I knew it was going to be so much work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I actually did? I before, prior to to doing the song, like I put the song off till the till 
as the last song I, I even look into because I was dreading like reading so much, but it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought. Like I had to hype myself. I had hype myself up to think like, dude, this is going to be miserable. This is going to take forever, but it really wasn't as bad as I thought. It was a lot, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, you got to just like draw the line at some point. Yes. You know what? Yeah. I'm not getting into what the fucking diatonic scalage is being used here and or what kind or what kind of range he was using in this song from this note to that note why did he change to this key or this note you know i don't i don't care that's too much man i i want to i want to like scratch the surface but i don't want to completely etch it off yeah because i'm good with that so it's too much uh, let's see here. Then so that was that that that's your biggest banger, right? Yeah, that was your one B. Oh yeah, it has to be. Has okay. To be. What is what is? I, I have my computer. What is your two? What is your two B? My two B. What do you got? What do you? Thirty nine. Thirty nine is my two. What? Yeah. This was uh. This was what? Outside of Bohemian Rhapsody, this one stands out the most. Definitely. This was this was wow. one written entirely by Brian May. Um. He he does the the lead vocals on it. Wait, does he? Yeah, he does. Um, and it's mostly like this, like acoustic guitar with some bass drum and or just very minimal drums. It's kind of folky at parts. I I think it's a really good song. It was really, really, really good. It never gets dull, never gets boring. And and vocally too, it kind of has this kind of ethereal kind of feeling to it. And it's it, it's very different. It would seem very different from Queen. I've never heard them do a song like this one. Very, very unique. So I, I really like this one too. And and the lyrics are super sci-fi. They're very, they're 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 interesting. They're very interesting. But then they're also, I, I like it. I like the lyrics because you could take them as two different things, as like you know a, a space adventure, or space exploration. But you could you could also take it as a metaphor to like his own personal life, coming back from like rock and roll and coming back from touring and coming back to his his town, his hometown, and how things have gone on without him but he expected everything to be the same kind of like in the story. It's a guy who, who, who goes into space. And then when he comes back, earth had like was on a different time, time, time line. So it went way faster. Dude, Einstein, so, man. so when he came back, so when the space explorer came back, his wife had, has, had been dead for a while of old age and his daughter was now the same age as his wife was when he left. And so it's just him talking about like how he sees glimpses of his wife and his daughter and I, I just that that metaphor I thought was just so cool. It was so cool. Mix it with the song. I, I it was a perfect song. I loved it. Love this song. So I mean, it's 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 my five B. That low and rock. I thought you'd love it because the acoustic. Well, oh, I absolutely love this song. This is I mean, this is a perfect song. It's this so is, good. I, I love it for all of those reasons. It's very folky. It's very country sounding. Dude, Deacon's playing a double bass on this. Yeah. And like that bass line is loud. So also like, okay, so uh, we, we both listen to this album in very different ways. I have it on the vinyls. Yeah. You listen to it, not on the vinyls. True. Did you, was, was Freddie really loud? What, were, yes, he were was. Were the vocals yeah. really loud? Yeah. Okay. He was, I mean, there were, there were so many moments, especially on Sheer Heart Attack and uh sheer heart attack was the one and then also queen two were the most notable ones where you could just hear like you could barely hear the guitars you could barely hear the nuance of anything but freddie was just turned up and it 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 was annoying it was really annoying 
Because Fred, to me, Freddie is my least favorite part of this band. I'll, I'll just say it right now. He's my least favorite part of this band. But yeah, so that so that sucked. Oh, that did suck. That's weird. But um, <laughs> what was your least favorite? Fucking Roger Taylor or something? Even though he was amazing. Yeah, probably Roger Taylor. He just he just never eh, eh, whatever. You fucking eh. you're dumb. Nah, you're silly. Um, um, th- this is. This is this is weird pacing coming off of uh, Best Friend, mm-hmm. and then Brian May singing. I, I think, I think this song is fucking fantastic. This was a song they did a cappella for, for one of the Marx Groucho brothers, Marx. like Groucho Marx. The, yeah, yeah. That's fucking weird, though. Like that's, I don't know. That, that's I can't awkward. imagine this. Yeah, I can't imagine <laughs> this done a cappella. That's, I mean, Grouch. Because I mean, the, if you don't know this this album and a Day at the Races were named after. Uh, uh, a Marx Brothers movie, or taken from, like inspired, or taken from the the uh, some movies um, back in the day. So apparently, Groucho Marx was a huge fan of Queen, and he invited them over to his house in L.A. five months before he died, and uh, and so they they all visited and hung out, and then they did an acapella of this. I, that I don't understand at all. But it's just like, hey, dude, do you want to come hang out at my house? Yeah. Oh, by the way, can you and your three friends sing this? Like, that's, I don't know, that's awkward. That's super awkward. Maybe it wasn't, like, weird in the 70s. I don't know. But, like, that's, like, you don't, you know, you don't invite somebody to your house and then make them sing for you. Yeah. That's, that's super weird and awkward. But I thought that was funny. But the, uh, dude, the, like, like, the bass in this song hits hard. Like, it's, it does. it's, it's, it's fantastic. And this song, like, matches Queen's overall sound more than like one of the first songs that I think is okay. Like the I'm in love with my car song. Yeah. This song, this, this song just matches the persona like with queen, like queen does a lot of really weird stuff sometimes. And this song's very bizarre. And I mean, we, I don't want to, is, is I'm in love with my car. One of your bangers. Um, it's, it's my seventh banger. That is crazy, but that that that's that dude that 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 song like that song was different, but not different enough to be unique. This song is different and unique, mm-hmm. whereas I'm in love with my car is just like a it's a goofy song. I don't know, it's like a bootleg rock and roll song. It's, it's a very it's, goofy it's song. not even very good. I, I I will say right now, some of my least favorite songs on this one on this record are the vaudeville kind of ragtime songs. Those ones I like the dude, least. That, that was the only song on this album, I'm in love with my card, that was almost a stinker. But really? it wasn't it wasn't that close. But that was the closest one I ever got. But it wasn't even that close. I mean, close. outside of the lyrics, because they're so stupid, outside of that, the song is is a good song. As long as you get past the dumb It's okay. Lyrics. I uh, mean, it's it's okay, so it was written by Roger Taylor, right? And there's a lot of yeah. noticeable drum fills. Yeah. Like, come on, bro. What's no doy, right? What's wrong with no that? No doy. You don't get mad like at Freddie Mercury for for doing a bunch cool. of cool vocal things. You don't get mad at Brian May for doing a bunch of cool guitar things. Why do you get mad at Roger Taylor? It doesn't nah, make any sense. It's whatever. It doesn't make but any then sense. Other than that, though, the song no the song is weird, and then like the, the the there's some like weird vocal raspiness, like bootleg rock and roll blues style that just doesn't match like the instrumentals that that Queen's doing, especially on this song. It's just weird. It's, it feels. It's it it feels disingenuine and it feels forced. And then there's this fake out ending, where like mm-hmm. all the cars yeah. are revving. Dude, lame. Come on, so it's meant lame. to be a goofy song to like. It was almost That's like making lame. fun of their friend, their their crew, their one of their crew guys. It was kind of making fun of him. 
That's what it was. It's put not it at the meant end. to be taken That's seriously. Fine. It's not meant to be. Don't taken put it before you're my best friend. Are you crazy? That's a banger, though. Come on. But but back to thirty nine. Um, I do want. I definitely want to play play a part of it. But you mentioned yeah, thirty nine is great. The the double bass part that that Deacon played. So what I was reading, yeah. what I was reading was that when they were writing this song, uh, Brian May went up to him and said, "You know, oh, you should learn. You should learn the double bass to this song." But he said it like as a joke, like just to be, I guess, an, an idiot about it. And then a couple days later, they came into the studio to record it, and he did learn it on the double bass. And then they recorded it that way. That's, <laughs> I never, I mean, I never like didn't know, but I never knew that Deacon was the way he was. He was the oddball of this group. He was very oh, reserved yeah. and he's always been reserved to a, to like almost a fault, man, to like completely disappearing in the limelight after Freddie died and they stopped really being a band. Like he completely mm-hmm. disappeared and that's no fault to him. He just didn't want to do it anymore and that's fine. But I never, I never realized like that's who he was from the beginning, like from yeah. day one. And that whole like he was credited as Deacon John in the beginning and then changed it to John Deacon. But like him being credited as Deacon John, that's I don't that was that was clearly not his idea. Like that was everybody else. No. Like hey man, this will be funny. And I, I don't I just, I don't think he's like a funny guy. I don't think he makes jokes. He's just very serious so dude. <laughs> like that's just who he is, but like that that story of, of of Brian May telling him to do something, you can imagine him taking that literally and saying, Oh fuck, Brian May told me I should do this. I need to go do it. <laughs> I know. And that's what happened. That's what he did, and it turned into an absolute banger. So uh so yeah, I'm gonna play a little bit of uh, of thirty nine smooth from um from Queen. So here's uh <laughs> here's thirty nine. Here we go.
There you go, 39 from Queen. Dude, this is uh this song might break my top five. I don't know. It, Queen? It's so good. What? Wowzer. I'm yeah, my, I I'm 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 surprised. Because it's so folky or what? Yeah, because it's <laughs> there's no there's no hard rock to it. It's just uh, I mean it's but just when great. You, I love this song. I when you have a voice like that, I mean, I think his voice is amazing. I, I really like it. And I, I'm really interested in getting into his solo stuff because, I don't know, I really liked it. I think he has a, a fantastic voice. It's so soothing and it's so calm and it's not pretentious like Freddie was a lot of the time. Oh, I, mean, I love this song. It It's so fantastic. I have nothing bad to say about it. Nothing. Nothing bad. So like so, I mean he he doesn't have Brian May doesn't have a lot of solo stuff mostly in the nineties and his voice is nice yeah it is good but it's he's a one trick pony I, I don't think it's bad but that that sound is is all there is like his his first yeah. solo album I I remember because when I first started playing guitar I really liked his tone and I want to listen to everything Brian May did. So instead of diving into Queen stuff, I dove into Brian May stuff, which makes sense. <laughs> so we So I know. He he's not he's fine. Like he but he does he does that sound well. Yeah. But it's not always it's not always the band backing him up to do everything. I don't know why you hate Freddie so much. Like why do you why I don't do, why do you not him. why do you don't, dislike him? I, I don't, don't understand. I, you've you've had nothing you've not said one good thing about Freddie Mercury I since we've been doing this pod. I have two. And I'm and then but make me mad. I'm getting George is getting upset. George is getting upset. <laughs> I think he is he is one of the greatest vocalists in, in in music ever, if not the best. Objectively, subjectively, I think I I really think he is. But the thing that I've never really liked about him are are some of his songs. I don't like the piano ballad stuff. I don't like I and you know me. I don't like the sound of the piano. I just I think it sounds cheap. I think it or it just sounds cheesy. It's just very cheesy, and sometimes he relied too much on it. And it just some of those those ballad songs just are not. They're just so boring, so boring. Especially when you know how much potential he had. Like he he can do so much more outside of that, but he he falls back on it, and I don't like that. And then also, there's a what I think it's um, let me see. I think it's you're my best friend. Yes, it's you're my best friend. So that song is a John Deacon song, through and through. He wrote it for his wife. And so he played, he played most of the music on it, or he wrote it on a Wurlitzer. That's what it was. So he wrote, he wrote the song on a Wurlitzer, and they showed it to Freddie, and Fre- Freddie, being the little bitch he was during this time, I guess, he refused to play that instrument. Like, just stomping his feet, crossing his arms, you know, pouting, saying, I won't play the Wurlitzer. I will only play a proper piano, a grand piano, or whatever the fuck he played. And that's what he did. Like he refused to play that instrument. And I thought, dude, this guy barely gets any songwriting credits with this band. He he has, and the songwriting credits he has have been huge hits. Just fucking play the fucking instrument. You can play it. So just play it. Don't be a little bitch about it. And that was so irritating. 
Made okay, me like him just got, a tiny bit less. You got like half of that right. So yes, it was he did write it on the Wurlitzer, but that was not that was because he probably just didn't have like a piano in his house. So he wrote on the Wurlitzer, whatever. Yeah. And when he brings it to Freddie and Freddie says, like, no, dude, let's let's play it on a fucking let's play it on a piano. Let's do it right. Let's do it. Like, let's, like, let's do it the like, boring that's, way. Let's 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 not let's that's, not have a little fun. So that's where it like Sub-basic. diverges, and 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 the the moment where where it is brought to Freddie, because you're right, it's 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 not Freddie's song, but the moment like it was brought to Freddie, and and he says, "Hey, do this on a Rolitzer," and Freddie's like, "Why why don't we just do it on a fucking piano? The piano's got a more full sound. It's 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 a lot better. You know they can they can transition." From like a classical piano sound into the hard prog rock style, yeah. they've done it before, and they will do it better than anyone's ever done in on, in the history of music. And so, Freddie kind of knows what he's doing. You got to kind of trust him a little bit. So yeah, they're not they're not like the main songwriters, and there's a give and take here. But you can't just expect Freddie to to bowl over and say, "Hey, man." sing this song that I wrote and do it the way I did it. And then not expect him to be like, dude, the Rulitzer sucks, bro. Why don't we just do it on a regular piano? It'll sound dope as shit. And then be like, Ooh, Freddie's fucking huffing and puff. Like, no, but you know, he was, he knows what he's doing, bro. He, he no, he's not, you don't know he was. So, so instead, so instead of doing something different, he decides to do the plain old people queen thing that he's been doing for the last six years. Five years. Yeah, the, the the plain old people queen thing that sold them fucking eighty million copies. You're right. That's that's it's still that's plain what, old people. You know, Nickelback have yeah, sold well, yeah. millions and millions of records, but they fucking suck, right? Why They're are you? Why did you even say? Why did you even say Nickelback in your argument of comparing Nickelback to Queen? I don't understand. Like, what are you even talking? Because about? you just brought up record sales. They've what sold. They're one of the most about? successful rock bands in the last twenty years. But they're not more successful than it Queen. It doesn't matter. You brought up record sales, so I'm going to bring up record <laughs> sales too. It doesn't make a fucking <laughs> like what difference you, what, you, what record what sales. What are you talking about? Doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't matter what, how many records have been sold. Because a lot of, a lot of, la- many a lot of, layman, yeah, a lot of layman people like Queen. Queen, Queen is a band that, Queen that are transcends overrated. record sales. Queen are overrated. You're, you're, why, do you try, why do you try so hard? I'm why not, do you try so hard? I'm, I'm not. You I, are. You're trying I, really hard. You are. They, they do have... I, mean, I hate I hate Freddie song. Mercury because he sings really good, and I only like bad singers no. like Jonathan Davis. I don't like Freddie Mercury because he sings so good. I don't like everybody else. And I think I think Taylor is underrated because he plays basic drum beats the entire time. Okay, whatever. That's cool, man. <laughs> That's all right. I'm just saying, I he is my to least favorite own, part of the band. Not to say he's know, bad at that, all. That's, not, uh, that's the unpopular. That's that's the that's oh, the punker God. kid opinion. That's that's the goth opinion. I get it. I get it. So that, that's dramatic. the Carson Daly opinion. I that's love the how Carson dramatic Daly you're getting get about it. this. You're, Nay, I, that's all good. You're, you you're, hate Freddie Mercury because he's overrated. He's overrated. You think you think David Lee Roth <laughs> is a better frontman than Freddie Mercury? Yeah, that's cute. If you're if you're in front of me, I would reach out with my hand and give you one of those like. <laughs> Like like soft like punches on the chin, you know what I mean? You know what they do? No, I know what you're talking about. Like yeah. the super, yeah, yeah, the little. You, that's funny, kid. You go, and like you, you know why you would be doing that? <laughs> I did it to myself too. <laughs> you're such a god. <laughs> and you know why you would be doing that is because you're so insecure with your decision, saying that Freddie Mercury is better than David Lee Roth, that you have to resort to to childish tactics like that. 
It's the way she goes. No, I, I, I told you earlier why I thought Freddie Mercury was the greatest <laughs> because he can command a crowd of 150,000 with literally just his fucking fists. <sighs> he, can tell the, he can tell a crowd of 150,000 what to do with just his fifth. They're, wow. all, they're all a bunch of terrible. sheep. They're all a bunch fifth. of sheep. Those people in the That's crowd. That's true. Uh, but no, Queen, Queen, are, Queen are really great. Freddie Mercury is really great. Like all jokes aside, you know, the, he, he truly is. He was something special. Really, really was. Um, I, I honestly think that Freddie Mercury is, is is one of the most underrated front men of all time, too. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I, I, don't, I disagree, I, but okay, continue. I'll tell you why. Because, because I think that in the 70s at a time... And, and I mean, like it was inevitable we were going to get into this 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 gay aspect of Freddie Mercury and, and coming out and things like that. And he never did come out. He never no. did come out and say that he was gay. Because nobody's fucking And it business. was just, but that's, that's I mean, you know, that's not the way the world works. And that especially when you're in the limelight, especially yeah. when you're somebody as popular as Queen, and especially when you're somebody as flamboyant as Freddie Mercury was. Yeah. And the movie the movie kind of like set the stage for me, but I never realized how, how reserved Freddie was behind the curtain, how, how personal he was, how much, how much he didn't, he wasn't Freddie Mercury behind the curtain. Freddie Mercury was his stage name Mm -hmm. at best. I'm like, like, he was like a stripper, like Freddie Mercury was his stripper name. Yeah. And, and behind, behind closed doors, he was something completely different. And dude, I was reading, I was reading articles. I'm, Take it, it's on the internet, so it has to be true. But I was reading articles about people throwing like razor blades on stage, wanting Freddie Mercury to cut himself because oh, yeah, I read that he too. is gay and they don't like him being gay. People flashing like weapons at him, like knives, like guns outside of clubs. Like, hey, aren't you the guy that's that, you know, the lead singer for Queen? Yeah. And they, they flash like a gun saying, like, oh, yeah. And they, they, they would say, I hate, and then throw out like an expletive of, of, of gay people at the time. And like I I don't know a lot about the history of 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 England mm-hmm. of the Queen's English over there, but <laughs> I don't I don't think like like same sex relationships were even tolerated, let alone even maybe even legal at the time. No, well, and so for, what I was reading, for, even like for, things like sodomy were were illegal in uh, in uh, England at the time. Even in, even in America, it was. I mean, I'm sure like Texas probably it's still illegal. <laughs> Maybe in Arizona where I live, I don't know, but it's just it's to to be yourself at a time when it wasn't okay to be yourself is something, and the whole hippie culture is fine because the hippie culture didn't focus around being like homosexual. It was just everybody mm-hmm. loves everybody, whatever. Whereas Freddie Mercury, he dressed a way where like that was that was the, that was only the only thing people thought about. And so, like we talk, like we talk about people now that are that come out as as gay, and say, "Oh, I've had it rough." Like, imagine how this dude had it. Imagine yeah. how this dude in had the it. Limelight. Yeah, like like the biggest, the biggest fucking rock band on earth in the mid seventies, and this guy is still getting razor blades thrown on stage because people want him to literally cut himself to death because they don't mm-hmm. like gay people, it's and terrible. that that's a side. But he still comes out, man. He yeah. still comes out night after night, commands a crowd, loves the energy. Even even your boy Kurt Cobain, mm-hmm. even your boy Kurt Cobain in his suicide note was like, you know, I don't like music the way Freddie does anymore. I, I don't I don't feel that people like me the way people like Freddie. And I, I'm telling you, dude, 
you probably haven't watched it in a while. Otherwise, you might be you'd be singing a different tune. But that Live Aid performance, I've seen it. Is, no, is, I've seen it. I I, I, I know you've I know you've seen it. I know you. I saw I saw Cape Fear when I was like six. I know you've seen oh, it. So you may have dumb. forgot what it was like. I know you you've seen it. You probably forgot what it was like, but. Oh, you so actually, dumb. I take that back. You definitely forgot what it was like because watching Freddy command that audience is, is unreal. Unreal. I know. I know. I know I've seen. You it. don't know because you I keep saying. I, I swear to God, say say I seen it one more time. I've say seen I it. seen it one more I time. Seen it. I seen it. Fucking a. I, I I seen it when I was like six. Yes, I get it, Tyler. I get it. Dude, watching oh, Freddy command boy. that audience is something that. Who else has done that? Who else has done that? Who else could do that? I mean, hey man, it, it it's wild. Hundreds of it's the, wild. you don't even you don't even understand how many people were there. It wasn't I like understand. a fucking sold out. It was no, you don't understand because you're sitting here like, oh, David Lee Roth. Do you want me to say it again? Do you want me to say it again? Fucking David Lee, you're so silly. I've seen it, dude. David Lee Roth is out here like commanding a presence of like two thousand people at the Roxy or some you're shit. Making, you're making Whereas, a fool of yourself. Whereas Freddie, Freddie is commanding a like yourself. a a small city. You're so silly, Tyler. You're making a fool you're, of yourself. Like legit, this may be the silliest you've ever been. Hey man, to, to not think that Freddie, to not think that Freddie is is even in the is the art is even in the question of like top three greatest front men of all oh, time. Oh, he is. is. He's top is three. Silly. Yeah. He's top three. But to to think that Dave, I mean, uh, I think you just said that just because it was like a knee jerk reaction. So I'm gonna give you that pass <laughs> because that's not it goes, right. It goes David Lee Roth. Maybe maybe Robert Plant would, would be on the same level, but David Lee Roth, come on, dude. No, come on, come on. That's 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 100 false. I mean, it's not. But okay, we can, we can move on. We can move on from this because you're getting fussy. You're, you're getting you're a fussy boy tonight about Be- because you, you you're laying out these. I don't know why do you not like him. What is it about like, him you don't I, like? I, there's nothing. Is I it the vocal about range? Him. Is it the phenomenal no, vocal great. range? Is it the crazy melodies I, I mean, I already, he writes that are super catchy? I already kind of told you. I don't understand. I kind of told you. But I, is it his I, stage I, presence? I already kind of told that, you that he that that he looks fantastic on stage. I can and he's not myself. even that flamboyant at times. Even at the Live Aid concert, he did like that's like arguably one of the best performances that any rock band has ever given. And and he's out there in like just jeans and in a tank top, like he's not even flamboyant. People are you know like oh Freddie, who's the gay guy from Queen, right? Like okay, maybe he's just wearing jeans and a fucking tank. Like I, I guess I don't know. He's ugly for sure. I'm gonna give you that. No, he, he's not he, a good looking no, dude. He, he was an ugly man. He was he was an ugly man. He's ugly as fuck, but you know, yeah. that has nothing to do with his singing and and his his performances. No, I mean, just like his, oh, his so you lifestyle. hate the singing. That's what it is. Okay, no, hate his singing, I already told you what I don't like. I already told you, but you clearly don't listen. You just keep going back to the same things. You just don't like that he's good at the pianos, but you're saying you don't like that he writes good ballads. I don't like I, guess. I don't like, like the he, ballads. No, he wrote Bohemian Rhapsody, arguably the best best song of all time. How does Bohemian Rhapsody start and how does Bohemian Rhapsody end? I know. On the piano. But go ahead, keep telling me how much you don't like his piano playing. I'll wait. You can't see my fingers, but I'm doing the chin thing. I'll wait. I know. I'll I know wait. what you're doing. I know what you're doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing not it. I'm not a big fan of ballads. Piano ballads specifically. I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody obviously is the exception because there's it's way more than just it's the greatest that. ballad it's of way, all time. It's way more than just being a piano ballad. I mean, we just spent we, we literally spent like thirty five minutes is. on that song. So it is, but at its so core, why, why, Bohemian why Rhapsody is a ballad. Out? Why are you freaking out? Like Bohemian Rhapsody I, is a piano ballad. I agree with you. Like probably not, I've agreed with you. Like probably ninety ninety five percent of the time on this pod. 
<laughs> and and yet you're just like you're losing your mind. Like you're probably gonna you're you're about to have like a, some sort of breakdown, like a melt a pure meltdown. You're, no, it's true. For like no reason. I have For a like ruler no in reason. my hand. I I have a like. There's just a ruler in in this office. I have a ruler in my hand because it was just sitting here, and I'm like like pushing it back and forth, making like a like a rubber ruler. You know, like like the rubber pencil. You like bounce it up and down. Yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. But but I'm holding the ruler at the end of it and like going it back and forth to the point like it's almost gonna break and snap in half. Like I'm so irritated. That's not my fault. That's what I'm doing. It's right not now. my fault that you're no, being it's, dramatic. It's 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 one hundred percent your no, fault. It's not. It's, that's why I'm doing you're this. You're just being a dramatic person for no good reason. That's fine. No, you're being a Carson Daly for no reason. That's you're, fine. You're you're you're, I'll paint you're my being nails. counterculture for I'll, no I'll paint my nails for no reason day, than, than just to be like counterculture and think that you're cool. That's fine with me. It's fine with me. I'm not the one if upset. If you want to Freddie Mercury, that is fine. I'm, clearly, it's not fine with you. <laughs> yeah, it's not fine. Oh, boy. Okay, so what, what's what's your 2B? You're my best friend, baby. Okay. That's uh, that, that's my 4B right there. Uh, so let, let's get into that. I mean, we, we did touch upon it actually quite a bit already. Um. Yeah, this is this is one written by John Deacon. Obviously, he didn't sing on it because he's not a singer. But this is um this is a very, just a very pure and innocent love song to his wife, who he just married like a couple of months prior to the recording of this record. And it's just it's so and nice. He's still married to. And he's still yeah, he's still married to her. Married in like nineteen seventy four or seventy five. Yeah, and still married. It it it's such it's such a cool. Like I've never, I don't know. Like no Beatles song has this kind of just carefree, like love song. Like that's just so pure. Yeah, but this song is just, it's straight up comes from his heart. So authentic. You know, it's it. it's 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 kind of weird. It's kind of interesting, I guess, because, I mean, like, arguably, like the two biggest rock bands of like all time. You you could say like Zeppelin and Queen. Yeah. Are 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 definitely up there in that conversation. And what's really interesting is like JPJ and, and, and Deacon are both very like they've had long-term relationships through the height of, of fame that, that even other bands that are wildly popular will never achieve. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think it's interesting. I don't know, man. Something about bass players. Maybe. And just like the, the, how humble they, they both are and how similar, similar they are. I mean, John JPJ has done, he's never really retired from music and he still makes music, but you know, it's kind of seems like their personalities, like they were both the quiet ones of the band. They didn't party as hard. They were, they were very subdued, but when, but when they wanted to shine, they, they could do it really well and they could be really effective at it, but they were never the stars, but they never wanted to be the stars. It seemed. It was yeah, really cool. I mean, even like even like Deacon, I, I I was reading that even after like Freddie died and decades later, he was never like involved with the band outside of maybe like three shows. Yeah, I, th- I, I think he's played like three to five shows mm-hmm. with Brian May and Taylor since Freddie's d- died. Yeah, and and other than that, he's he's done like the financial aspect of Queen, and they they reach out to him when they have like financial questions or whatever. But other than that, he's just. He's totally cool, just 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 living his life and never being the bass player from Queen again. Yeah, and I read too that it's estimated that he's worth like 170 million dollars. 
I read that too. He probably lives like a fucking. He probably rents a condo somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's that type of person. <laughs> a guy who hasn't who hasn't put out a, a record in thirty years. You know, and you know he's made he made so much money in the seventies and eighties, and he just fucking chills now, and that's cool. It's super cool. He just lives with his wife, has like four kids, I think, something like that, and just keeps quiet. Just doesn't rock the boat. Nothing. I think. I think a lot of of his reclusiveness has to do with like Freddie dying too. I think oh, people yeah, take think death so. differently, and I think Deacon took it very, very hard. I think so too. And I, I think, yeah, I, th- I think he saw that and it was just like, I'm done. That's it. I'm out. Because I, I mean, want, I don't want this shit to happen to me. I think I feel like Deacon and and uh, and Freddie were were more more alike than people give them or people really think because. Like, like we were talking about earlier, like Freddie was very flamboyant. He was very outspoken. Well, not outspoken, but like when it came to concerts and stuff, he was very out there. But on a personal level, he was very quiet, reserved, and that's how uh, John Deacon was too. I feel so. I feel like they kind of were the same person on a personal level. Yeah, you know, outside of you know sexual orientation, they were very much the same person. And I think probably losing Freddie losing such a close friend or just losing somebody that you're so alike with, like maybe that just like sent him over the edge and just never, never quite recovered or never wanted to, or who knows? I mean, this is all speculation, but it's, it's, I mean like the more, the more episodes we do of this and the more musicians we get into. And like, I always go back to Buck Owens losing his friend and it's people just don't, people never recover from some things and it's, it's, it's it's not like cool, but it's very interesting to see which bands and which band members don't recover from the loss of of like another band member. And like you know, when Bonham died, honestly, it didn't really seem like anybody really cared that much for that long. <laughs> but like, it seems like Deacon really was affected by Freddie's death. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely seemed that way. But yeah, and uh, I don't know. Should but should we play this song? You're my best friend. Dude, you're my best friend. Is such a banger of a song, and I still like that 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 hook. I still sing that like all the time. I, oh, it's, yeah. it's one of my favorite things to sing by Queen. It is. It's a really fun it. song, and everyone knows it. And I don't. I don't know. So here's uh, here's you're my best friend from uh, Queens of the Stone Age.
there it is. You're my best friend from Queen. The John Deacon song. The good song. Oof. So what do you got? What, what else do you got? We've got anything else on this song or should we move on to the next? What do you think? No, that's fine. We can, we can move on. What's your, what's your 3B? What you got for 3B? Uh, the Prophet song. The Prague song. The long song. Oh, man. So, I mean, we, we that don't... Was, uh, <laughs> Dude, that, that that was a song that I didn't know if I was gonna rate it a B or an okay song. Why is that? But uh, man, this song tries really, really hard. But like, it's 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 really dope and it's layered perfectly. The band comes in really hard, and honestly, the first time it came in, like it really scared me. Like I was frightened. Like I, I jumped a little bit, <laughs> but. I don't know. Like I, 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 I like a lot of these stupid overproduced songs, but this is like, this is even more overproduced than fucking Bohemian Rhapsody. I feel like it was less fussed over. You know, like it was it. It's like the. It's almost like the. The younger brother of Bohemian Rhapsody. This is like the the goth brother, the younger goth brother who's not really who doesn't really fit in, you know, to Bohemian Rhapsody. It's it's it, it's more intricate than than Bohemian. It's just not it as is. catchy. It's no, it's not as catchy, but it has some really awesome parts. I mean, to me overall, the, the song is very Black Sabbath sounding, but of the Dio era, because because Freddie and and Dio they they sing in higher they generally sing in higher registers, especially Dio. So you, so I kind of got that, and he and Freddie also sings like more coarsely in this song, and then the riffs and 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 the song itself is very Tony Iommi and very kind of like metal very metal of the the mid 70s of sabbath you know and this is before dio was even in sabbath so it 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 was really interesting I, it's a really different song and it, i feel like nobody would ever talk about this song unless you were talking about this record and and yeah kind of kind of the recording of this song and or the writing of the song so it was written by brian may and it was it was he actually started writing it during the sheer heart attack sessions uh, because at the time he contracted hepatitis from a dirty needle, um, yeah. from a vaccine, a dirty needle from a vaccine. And, uh, and so he, he had to, you know, he was bedridden, he was in the hospital and he was having these crazy fever dreams. And that was the inspiration for this song. And it kind of like goes, it's kind of intertwined with, with Noah's Ark and the flood, the great flood. And, and just has a lot of Bible, um, uh, connections and, and, and relations And it's it's just It's such a weird song But I, I love it It is just so unique to this band it, And it's definitely a throwback To like their first record I feel It's it's very unique They they never wrote a song at, like this After this 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 album Or after this song No I, 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 I totally agree I think this is I think this is the most ambitious thing They ever did Yeah Probably the most prog thing that It they just ever wasn't did. It it just wasn't as catchy as, as, as Bohemian. No. But I mean, if, if we're just even talking about like just how ambitious and weird it is the whole, the whole like delayed vocal layering middle part. It's so cool though. <laughs> Excuse me. God bless the queen. Thank you. So the whole like vocal layering part of the, of, of the middle area when he's like, now I know this was the first time I ever heard this song was on vinyl when I picked it up and, yeah. and I was listening to it. And it goes on for like two minutes. Yeah, it's long, right? But I love and, it. And you're just like, what? Like, what the fuck is this? But you just don't you don't understand what's going on. Like you don't you don't you don't know when it's going to end. And usually with a lot of these bigger bands, even with Zeppelin, you can always 
you can kind of guess where things are going to go. When you listen to enough music, you can guess where they're going from here. You can say, okay, I get a soul is coming after this. Yeah. Or you can revert back to this. You can kind of guess things. But this one just kept fucking going. Mm-hmm. And that's what I just, that's what I still don't know if I love it or if I hate it. But I just, I, I was sitting there like, what the fuck? Is this still going? And just kept going and going and the delays. And then not even not even having a computer to to synthesize those delays, but using the tape itself to delay your own voice. Yeah. Like that that type of in-depth hands-on approach is it's unbelievable, man. Like this is this is an unbelievably complex song, and more so, I think, than than Bohemian Rhapsody. But I, it will never get its due. It, no, it, it, never, it will never, never will. It never will. Because it's not nearly but as catchy. Damn, this is... That's that's what it comes down to. It's not nearly as catchy. It's so fucking weird, though. It's so weird. I, I was... Because much like you, when it, once it got to that acapella section in the middle, I thought... Like, okay, I thought it was like maybe one one kind of verse of that, you know? Or, or maybe like five or six lines. But no, it, it does keep going. You're like, oh, this is getting goofy, but I, I still really enjoy it. Like, I'm still hooked. I'm still intrigued. <laughs> yeah. like, like, you want it to end, but then you also want it to continue because it's so bizarre. And it just sounds like he's, like, fucking around. Like, it doesn't even sound... It does. Yeah, it sounds that's what like it he's is. It sounds around. like he's just goofing. Yeah. I love it. I, I love it. Uh, I wish I time-stamped it for the acapella. You don't, you don't happen to have the timestamp, do you? I, I, I don't. This this reminds me of a Seinfeld episode when Kramer and, and the car salesman were, were on the freeway just seeing how far they can go when the gas light comes on on the, on the rental car. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, you know what? Like, one more exit. One more exit. Because the, they're on the freeway. And they, one more exit. One more exit. That's what the song is like. It's just, you think like, okay, that was good. You guys are done now. Oh, yeah. okay. Now, okay. Now you've got to be done. And it goes on for like two fucking more minutes. I know. It's so good. Oh, my God. I'm trying to find the acapella part right now. Hold on one second. I, I do. I, and then like after the acapella part's even over though, I, I can't even believe they still made music after that. Like the acapella part <laughs> to a normal like prog band to like, yes, would have just drowned it out and then bled into another song. But to revert back into the same song, like that's, that's almost like the best part. It was just such a long break and to still be able to keep that attention afterward. Yeah. Like, what and How? It's, it's it says that the the acapella part is two minutes and thirty seconds long of an eight minute song, um, so I'm I'm not going to play the entire acapella part. I'm going to start it uh, with some of the music leading up into it, just so we can get the weirdness of it. So it's like if you want to follow along, Jeff, it's at two, I'm starting at two thirty three in the song. So uh, so yeah, so here's a here's a part of the prophet song from uh, Queen. So here we go. Can you hear me? 
There you go. There, there's a bit of uh, the acapella part of the Prophet song. Truly a bizarre song, but I, <laughs> dude, I love this song. A minute and a half more of that. <laughs> I know. It's so cool, man. I, <laughs> and and then the instrumental part it's, that comes right after it, I think it's really cool, too. It's it's not as as as, as like catchy and memorable as Bohemian's, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody's instrumental part, but it's so rad. This song is so... It's like such a rad uh, forgotten prog song i love it love it love it love it so okay well i mean do you got anything else on this one or what do you think no i i I think it's fucking bizarre man even like the instrument that that brian may plays it's called a kodo or koto yeah it's in the intro and like the outro parts of the song japanese stringed instrument but it's like it's got like a curved curved bridge or some shit and it's I don't know. Yeah, I I've seen I, there's those probably before. like a thousand fucking instruments that are that are stringed that look like a guitar. I don't there's yeah, every, I feel like every episode we do we always bring up a new one. So <laughs> whatever true. that's worth. Okay then. So uh so that was my my 3B. What what do you got for your 3B? Uh what is my 3B? Gotta scroll. Oh, lazing on a Sunday afternoon. That is Probably a three B for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he hates it. He hates it. This he is, said earlier that you hate that vaudeville shit. So. Dude, this is like um, this is on the verge of a stinker. Mm. Like this is. Mm. Ooh, I so can't believe you like what this I one. like about this. What I like about this is the piano, man. The piano kills oh my it. God, fucking piano. It's that, this fucking that, guy. That's that staccato vaudeville, dude. That's that's fun shit. There's a lot of mm-hmm. nuance to this though too, not just like mm-hmm. the bicycle bell, but this is super layered and like the backup vocals are super layered and everything's great. Brian uh, Brian's solo is is fantastic. It's 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 pretty at first. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of like changes the dynamic of the song to be more hard rock and then it transitions so perfectly into I'm in love with my car, which is a dumb song. But <laughs> it's a like, way better song than Lazing on a Sunday. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm in love with my cars just Dumb. It's that's because you're dumb. dumb. Omit it, omit it. <laughs> but dude, lazing on Sunday afternoon is just so fun. It's just I don't know. It's it's so lighthearted, and they do a lot of these songs on this album too. There's like three or four yeah. of them. Like Seaside Rendezvous is kind of the same way. There's a lot of these type of songs on this album. I I, I love them. I think they're great. I think Freddie, not just because he can play the piano, but I think Freddie's voice can match just about damn near any style of music. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he 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 did have that talent to where he could he could really sing anything. There was nothing out of his out of his abilities. Honestly, he killed it. He he absolutely because he like like he could do something as wonky and and quirky as this vaudeville thing. But then like we were, what we were just talking about talking about with the prophet song, 
that his voice on that song is so so coarse and it's so rough but it's still very very melodic it's crazy what he was able to do it i mean it's it's remarkable but but this song come mm. on man it, it is the shortest song so so that was a good thing so a minute and six seconds for this one that's all you need. That's more than enough for this song. But hey, don't hate us because you ain't us. But okay? I, what I what I did think was cool about <laughs> this song, um, so so his, his vocals were recorded. Let's see how I wrote this. So he he did he somehow so it was sung in the studio, but it was like somehow reproduced through the headphones in a tin bucket somewhere else in the studio, and then the mic yeah I, I don't picked up the sound of the, the bucket yeah. So it, so it gave it like this megaphone sound. And then, so so that was recorded that way. And then apparently to get that guitar tone was kind of by accident, I guess, because he ended, cause Brian May ended up recording that guitar solo on the actual vocal track. So it had like, so it had a different, I guess it was equalized different, or it was like set up differently. It was, wasn't meant to be, or a guitar was not meant to be played on that channel, but he ended up playing the, the solo on that channel. And that's how you get that, that weird tone. Yeah, it's pretty uh pretty weird stuff. Weird song. Okay. But well, fuck it. We don't, we don't talk about it that much. Though. I mean, it's a minute song. I mean, what else do you want to talk about on it? That's fine. My four B's good company. You like good company? I do, Does but it's not a good banger. company. It's it's not a banger for me, but it, it is a good song. It is a Brian May song. So that's why I think it's so weird that you liked Thirty Nine because Thirty Nine was one of like the outliers, the weird song by Queen. It was like, all yeah. of my favorite ones are the weird songs that don't sound like your normal Queen stuff. Thirty Nine, Seaside Rendezvous, Lazy on a Sunday Afternoon, Good yeah, Company. These aren't like your normal Queen songs. They're that's not why I'm surprising. Like Thirty Nine, but the but the vaudeville thing, it's it's fun for a little bit, but it gets to be a little much and. And this one was kind of the, the same thing with the vaudeville Dixieland thing that they, they were doing. It was cool. I mean, the, the ukulele was was an interesting instrument to banjo use on the song. Banjo ukulele. Was it a banjo ukulele? Okay, sorry. It was a banjo ukulele, like <laughs> like a specific brand that like Brian May's dad used while playing in bands and shit. Like it was a banjo ukulele. Yeah, and it I has mean, such cool. a unique sound. It's un it's an unbelievable instrument that I never knew existed until this week. And I I want one so bad. It would be pretty cool to have. It would be. But I, yeah, it I've, just looks fucking cool. I've never even seen what it looked like. Did they actually like mass produce them? I don't know. The, he, Brian May did like a like a like a two minute video on on how they did this. Like Good Company's fucking banger, dude. So like, so like, like uh, there was there's a, a bridge, a solo part here, and, and this song has a very I don't want to. It's it's, very, it's a very like showtimey song, like a, like a tune, like something you yeah. hear on like Broadway or somewhere like in New Orleans, and and the bridge part, the instrumental part. You hear a lot of different of different sounds. You hear like trombones and like and tubas and everything, but it's all guitar. But it's all Brian May's guitar. Yeah, that, everything that everything that you hear in that part is all guitar, and you hear like the that long drawn out trom iconic trombone sound. That's a guitar, mm -hmm. and Brian May was like specific in his in his like uh, his approach to the song that he wanted everything to sound as much like the jazz that he grew up with. That type of Louis Armstrong swing jazz, and yeah. dude, it's the, the song is is unbelievably good, and it's 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 a little bit shorter, and it's a little bit it's a little bit goofy, but mm -hmm. 
there there's stuff here that they've never done before and they never they never did again it's true yeah no it, it is a very experimental song definitely I, I I thought that I mean reading I mean I read about how he he manipulated his guitar to sound like the the instruments, but in the song I just I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was like an actual instrument, like one of those instruments that it's trying to to sound like. And so reading about it just kind of blew me away because it's it's so rad. So did it's I. So, <laughs> so cool. I, I legit thought there was like brass instruments being played, and I didn't think anything of it. And then I was reading, "What the fuck? That was a guitar? What part? I didn't hear that." And then I listened to it again. I was like, "That's a guitar." <laughs> some like, Damn. it's like some early Tom Morello shit right there. Yeah, it's pretty sick. With 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 little to no effects, and and yeah. and then and then like that whole part. Brian May said that he recorded essentially every single note separately from it from the other ones. Oh yeah, yeah I read so that too. So he dubbed like all of these individual notes to get like a super pristine, crisp sound. Yeah. And like we hate that shit. Like we just don't like that stuff. But in the seventies, it's a completely different ball game, mm-hmm. and that's that's respectable. And I love it. I love that. I do too. So I mean, I guess this would be a good, a good way to transition into um his guitar like his guitar that oh. that he built with his dad I, it's so rad i mean not only the, the guitar he's like 14 exact not only the guitar but but he doesn't use picks which we've talked about on the pod before he uses a sixpence plectrums yeah so he uses a fucking coin and he just carries around these coins just in case he needs to play guitar because he doesn't want to use a pick, and then apparently he only likes the the coins made in ni- from 1970. So there was a series in 1970 <laughs> that was made, and those are the specific ones he uses. That's, that's, <laughs> that's so, so wild, stupid, so wild. Yeah, yeah, dude. He's he's the red. I think he calls it the red special. The red special, yeah. and it's it's like the it's like the only guitar he records with. All the big concerts, he always uses it for the for the big songs and. And it's just uh, like who there's not a lot of guitarists out there that don't have, you know, 15 guitars for, uh, that, that are accessible to them by their stage hand during performances. And it's just it's so it's it's so basic, but it's just, it's so comfortable. And, and he looks extremely comfortable using it. And it's just it's such a fucking rad thing. And it looks great. And I think Brian May's tone, I think, is, is perfect. Oh, it's, I agree. It's just the right amount of distortion. It's it's warm sounding, but it's not mm-hmm. like hot like Van Halen sounded. Yeah. It's just very, it's very family. It's very family in the distortion in the distortion tree. Love it. Yeah, and then reading like kind of the, some of the parts that he used for the guitar, he used like um, I think it was like part of a bike seat, bike seat for the the tremolo, uh, bar on it, and then I guess the um th- there's another part of the guitar where he used another part of a motorbike. Like not the chain, but like some sort of spring. Like he used like all these like random parts from from these just things, you know, just to to build this guitar. It's so cool. It's so fucking cool. I just I've never heard <laughs> of any person doing that. I mean, even now, like I mean, you might get like some outlier, some dude, you know, who, who doesn't. I don't know. Nobody famous does anything like this, you know. It's always some dude you in his garage or basement. <laughs> But you just don't hear about people building guitars from like the ground up. You hear about people like finding old guitars and refurbishing them. Maybe like, yeah, like, like getting a new neck and they'll get like a nice piece of maple and they'll, they'll finish that up. But you don't hear about 
somebody like literally just taking a block of wood and carving a fucking guitar out of it. It's rare. And then uh, and then building everything else, building everything else, or making everything else. Like, it it. I mean, I I didn't read much about like the pickups or anything, but did he make his own pickups for the guitar? I really don't know, but I don't know. It's it's wild. It, I, it's so maybe cool I. I I would assume that he probably like bought like shitty pickups and then probably like unwound them and then wound whatever by himself and then maybe like modified stuff. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know about like that. But I mean I don't who knows dude. He was like a smart like he was one of the the out of the four members. He was arguably like not the smartest electronic wise, but just an overall very smart guy. Yeah, yeah. Deacon was for sure the electronic whiz. Well, he's the one who and, had his own company like, outside of Queen. Like yeah, he he created that 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 iconic amp that that Brian yeah. May loved so much, and but then even like Taylor, he was he was he was basically a dentist. He <laughs> I know. went to school and was basically a dentist before this started. So, like this this band is just full of of guys that would have still had a very illustrious, successful career had they not been in Queen. Yeah, I feel like out out of the four members, Freddie was the only one who had like the stereo stereotypical job or the stereotypical lifestyle of like, you know, something related to art or, or like fashion or like something that was more closely related to music. But no, you know, Brian May was, was like, he got his, his degree, his bachelor's degree in physics back in the seventies. And then, you know, like you said, dentist for Roger Taylor. And then Deacon was like this, this electronic virtuoso of the time. And then, yeah, and then Freddie was a an art guy. It's just like it's such a weird a weird combination of of just people. People in general. It almost I mean it, it almost makes you think like if Freddie saw something in Brian May and and Taylor to to the point where he's like I need to be in this band because for somebody I mean you don't see it that often even though we just saw it last week with like Des in in Black Flag and stuff following mm-hmm. and then be, being in the band but Freddie following the band smile and then seeing something in this band like wow this is a really fucking good band I'm going to keep going to these shows and hopefully their lead singer leaves that way I can like jump and swoop in and take over and then being yeah. so adamant about hey Brian and and Taylor you need to you need to pick me up because we're going to be big and Do then you know making what, them change the name Do you know what I'm thinking you know what it's 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 very similar to is when um is with the Chili Peppers, is when Hillel died. How Frusciante was was a huge fan of the Chili Peppers. Like, he followed them. He went to all their shows. He was a huge fan of them. Knew all their music. Knew all of Hillel's parts. And then when he overdosed and died, Frusciante was just there, just ready to, to go. So when he auditioned, he got the part, he got the, the gig right away. And it was like, you know, a dream job for him. I feel like maybe that, it's, the stories are similar. I feel. Yeah, de- definitely similar. I, I I think like I don't even know how to like put it, but I think I think like talent knows talent. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I I think somebody like Freddie's talented. I, there's no argument about that. Freddie's extremely talented, and I think somebody on that level sees something in other people. And so when Freddie sees you know Brian May jamming with Smile, he says that guy's that guy's better than he even knows he is. <laughs> and so now it's like a like a push and pull because you're right. Like like John Frusciante joined like what their third or fourth album on Chili Peppers. Yeah, I think Mother's Milk and, was and their third. 
right? Mother's 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 milk was Dude, the third. But then from there, like chili peppers were already known before that, but after Frusciante joined, I mean, chili peppers yeah, are was going down in history. Like yeah. that. I mean, we're talking <laughs> like history. Yeah. So uh, do talent knows talent, man. And that's, that's, that's a good, that's a good comparison. I dig it. I like it. So, yeah. Oh, you know, uh, good company was actually a banger for me. So I'm sorry. I, I, I was looking at something else, but it Fucking was, it, it was my, it was my sixth banger. So okay. just throwing that one out. Okay. okay. Um, do we want to talk any more about this song? Oh, that's cool. We can probably not play any more of these songs. Just go over some of the bangers. That's, that's okay. fine. I mean, I'm fine with that too. I, there's nothing I really want to play in particular. Yeah, there's nothing I really want to play because, yeah, it's fine. So, what what else do you want to talk about? Uh, what what is your what is your three B? What's your four B? Did we did we just uh, say did my three B? Oh my god, dude, where am I? Uh, my three B was Prophet Song. Four B was fuck is my dude my notes are out of control out of control out of fucking control yeah my 4b was you're my best friend so we already talked about that one um 5b was oops what's this one uh sweet lady was my 5b um only because so i i liked the verses a lot they were very catchy they actually reminded me a lot of the rolling stones which was pretty cool and then the the chorus kicks in and it it just really takes a turn, like that weird guitar riff, and it just sounds w- different and just very weird. And then, actually reading about it more, the reason why was because it was in two different it was two in two different time signatures. It went from a four four to a three four, and apparently Roger Taylor was like very thrown off by it when when Brian brought it to the brought it to the table, and it, he ended up saying like this is one of the most difficult songs for him to play out of all of Queen's Queen's catalog. Which I thought was so so weird and interesting, but uh, no, this this is this is a really good song. It's a solid song. I wasn't expecting it, and I just love that riff and that chorus. It's just it's so smooth and so heavy. I I really like it. And then the bridge comes in with that with that riff again, and it just he threw in some like weird sounds, and then it double times into the solo, and then it just ends with that instrumental outro. I love it. It's so good. It's a great song. This is, this is weird. This is this was almost a banger for me, mm-hmm. but I I think this is, I think this is a filler song. But I think it's one of the best filler songs I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I think it's I think it's absolutely killer. But you know, I mean, just like I, I coming off of, come, coming off like thirty nine, and and then just knowing what's what's left on like side two, I think this is presented as a filler song. But again. It's so fucking good. Like everything you said, I totally agree with. And then also, like supposedly, you can hear the chains on on Taylor's drum kit. Yeah. While Deacon plays the bass lines, because it was like like suggesting it was recorded live. I My didn't copy hear it. isn't like the best, so I, I I didn't hear it either, and I refuse to listen to it on Spotify because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so I I didn't I didn't quite hear it. <laughs> yeah. I I, I, did. I actually I went back and and I tried to listen for it, but I. Maybe I wasn't listening hard enough or or closely enough, but yeah, I I didn't I didn't hear it. So yeah, dude, you're right. Like the, the the song speeds up and starts to really shred. It does. It's, it's, it was like, so the solo is so rad. It was so unlike Queen. Like you never really hear him double time it like that out of nowhere. Like there's usually like a build up to a double time, but it just yeah. it came out of nowhere. It was very very different for them, which was cool. I I really 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 liked it. So. 
It's a good song. Um, good song. I mean, I mean, lyrically, most of this record, I don't feel like it's too deep. I mean, you might agree did with you, me. Did you, th- did you think like this was going to be deeper than it was? Yeah. Considering I did too. I told I totally thought I was gonna list I was gonna read these lyrics. I'm like, holy shit, dude, Freddie writes some fantastic stuff. Yeah, I really was I I, I had that in my mind because <laughs> he's so he's so famous and he's so, you know, well loved within everybody, you know. So I really thought there was gonna be more lyrically, but overall it's it's pretty <laughs> generic. Yeah, it's pretty generic. Yeah. So it's not bad. It's just, no, it's just no, very generic. No, not bad at all. Not poison bad. Definitely not like that. I don't think anything's poison bad. What? I don't think anything is bad as poison. Well, yeah, there's, that's true too. Probably the worst record we've ever done. Um, okay, so so what do you got for your five B? Uh, my five B was thirty nine. Oh, okay. So we talked about, about that, that one. My 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 six B is Seaside Rendezvous, which you probably don't like. Yeah, that was that was one I I'm not. I'm not into it's another one, baby. That that ragtime sound, man. I love it. It's, it's bizarre. <laughs> it's I imagine like jazz hands, and I imagine like 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 uh, Main Street at Disneyland when I listen to this. Yeah, I, I can imagine. see that. I can see that. The goofy, goofy. The goofy. one thing that I thought was cool though was the um, was the the bridge because it was just uh, Freddie and uh, Roger's voices that did all that. Oh, so that part good. was pretty cool. They're just their mouths. They're just using their mouths. Yeah. And then another thing I read about this song, Brian May had nothing to do with it. Contributed nothing no. to the song. That was yeah. that that blew my mind. I couldn't believe it. But it was good. I mean, it's a good song, but it's not a banger. It's better than Lazing uh was Lazing on a Sunday. Yeah, much better than that song. On a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So that was your six, right? Yeah, that was my six B. Right. Yeah, my six B's. was was good company. That was my six B. So we talked about yeah, that, that one. That's, it. that's all you got for you. That's okay, it so I'll just. I mean, I, we don't have to talk about the songs, but my seven B was in love with my car, and then my eight B was death on two legs about their ex manager. So there this you was go. this was like a, this was a really good fuck you song though, like death on it two was, legs. Yeah. That was a that was a really good maybe even like one of the best of its time like a really good fuck you song. Yeah, it it, it really really was, <laughs> and it, it wasn't it like didn't, it, it didn't hold back like at all. But it wasn't like overtly like offensive or or mean or using any sort of you know cursing anything like that. It was weird. My favorite line of that song was when he says, "Was the fin on your back part of the deal?" And then he yells, "Shark." <laughs> it's that's so, so childish. <laughs> I know it is. Oh, that's great. <laughs> All right, Man. you ready to to wrap it up and then rate and then rate it? Yeah, dude, wrap it up, rate it, subscribe it, whatever. Okay, so we we have a three point rating system where uh, three is a perfect album, two is a good album. You're going to continue to listen to one is a bad album, but give it a shot. And zero is just terrible trash fire. Don't even bother. Uh, so what are your final thoughts on this one, Jeff? And then your rating. Go. Yeah. So my final thoughts on this, on this album and this band is, uh, I just, I'm, I'm way late to this game and I'm upset because I really like this. I, I like, I like the pomp and circumstance, man. I, I think that a lot of bands try and do the queen sound and they just, they just can't pull it off. I think a lot of the flamboyance 
like your boy David Lee Roth. I I think a lot of this this stuff comes from like Freddie Mercury. I think Freddie Mercury like started it. I think Freddie Mercury pulled it off better than anyone's ever done, and will probably ever do, at a time when people hated him for doing it, but also loved him. It was probably I don't know the percent, a half and half, whatever. But I think I think Queen were are overrated in their hits, but severely underrated in their other songs. I, okay. I I think that they I think they're just something special, man. I I think there's so much more to them than what we know. And to be honest, like what we know as Queen is is first and foremost Bohemian Rhapsody, and then it's We Will Rock You and Champions. So given that, it's tough. It's tough to dissect this this group based on their hits because the hits are good, like they're real good. But yeah, like these guys these guys made some some really weird shit. And it's also really good. So, you know, for whatever that's worth, it is what it is, as no, as Tyler says. Um, I uh, are, we, are we doing the ratings too right now? We're doing the ratings too. Mm-hmm. This is this mm-hmm. is like, you know, mm-hmm. if you pulled if you pulled Bohemian Rhapsody out of this album, I'd probably go like two, honestly. Really, that but low? Huh? Because, yeah, yeah, because be, be, I mean, but that's not even fair to the album either, because that's a that's a. That's an integral part of the album. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I'll do two point five. I, I don't. I don't feel comfortable going anything less. Interesting. I, I would only go higher. I thought I you were going to give this a perfect. I really thought you were going to give it a perfect. No. Wow. No, it's not. This is not perfect. This is not perfect. Huh. Okay. All right. All right. My my uh, my final thoughts on this one. Uh, this has been a fun week. Uh, there were some some low points, but you know, it's okay. It's okay. It happens with these bands. Uh, I'm still not like uh, totally on board with Freddie Mercury. Uh, I still think he is one of the greatest, if not the greatest singer in in music. But, you know, like I was saying earlier, the ballads just don't do it for me. They're, they're just not that interesting to me. Um, but this, this album was good. It's not their best, but it has some really great moments. Like I was saying, you know, 39 Bohemian Rhapsody, obviously the Prophet song. Those three songs right there, I feel, make this entire record. Those are just unstoppable songs. They are absolutely perfect songs. Uh, there are weakness, weak ones like the vaudeville, more the vaudeville stuff. I think is like throw one song on there. That's all you need. You don't need to do more than that. So <laughs> that was a little much. Um, but overall, it's a solid record, and I was really kind of blown away at how good the other members are um not just with their their main instruments but also vocally i i had no idea that roger taylor and brian may had lead vocals on any queen song i think that was the that was so cool and i was so blown away at how good some of those songs are not just on this record but every record that i listen to they those songs stand out and they're they're almost as good if not better than some of the freddie songs it's it's really cool. Not many bands can pull that off, but they did. So, this song, it's it's overrated. I mean, I mean this this album, it's overrated, but it's still great. It's absolutely great, and uh, and I'm gonna have to give this one a, uh, a solid two and a half as well. Two and a half. It's the vaudeville, man. The vaudeville just kills it for me on this record. I'm fucking surprised you gave it so high. That's that's. Uh, I mean, that's impressive. I will say News of the World and Jazz, easily a 2.8. Easily a 2.8. Oh, but, wow. But this one, but this one, no. I, 
I just it, Ooh, wow. There's too there's too too much goof in this one. Too much goof. So that's what I got. That's what I got. We both gave it a two point five. So Oh boy. We got anything else to say about this one or, or, or what what do you think? No, that's dude, we pretty much did it. That was it. That's all. I mean we, we could have touched We're upon doing it here. We could have touched upon so much of their personal lives, but I think I think we touched on enough. Like we don't be we don't want to get ten hours long. There's no way it would, and and, yeah. it, and it would it would take away from the actual record itself. Like we could have talked about Freddie Mercury's personal life, everybody. Like that would have just taken way too long, and it's it's irrelevant, you know, honestly. Yeah. To that to this album, but um, so yeah, thank you all for listening. Um, go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio, and uh, yeah, that I got nothing else. So that's it. That's all. Roger Taylor. They all, they, all, they all got like boring white people names. Like that's all like the Queen's English True. white people names. Roger Taylor. Oh, okay. That was not that was not Queen's English, but that's okay. Yes, it was. Yes, it well, was. Tottenham Hotspurs. <laughs> why do you try? Why do you try so hard? I'm why not, do you try so hard? I'm, I'm not. You I, are. You're trying I, really hard. You are. They they do have. I, mean, I hate I hate Freddie song. Mercury because he sings really good. I only like bad singers no. like Jonathan Davis. I don't like Freddie Mercury because he sings so good. I don't like everybody else. And I think I think Taylor is underrated because he plays basic drum beats the entire time. Okay, whatever. That's cool, man. That's all right. Is unreal, unreal. I know, I know. I've seen. You it. don't know because you I keep saying. I, I swear to God, say say I seen it one more time. I've say seen I it. seen it one more I time. Seen it. I seen it. Fucking a. I, I I seen it when I was like six. Yes, I get it, Tyler. I get it, dude. Watching oh, Freddie command boy. that audience is something that. Who else has done that? Who else has done that? Who else could do that? It, it's wild. Hundreds of it's th- wild. you don't even you don't even understand how many people were there. It wasn't I do like understand. a fucking sold out. It was no, you don't understand because you're sitting I here just, like oh, oh David Lee Roth. Do you want me to say it again? Do you want me to say it again? David Lee, you're it. so silly. I've seen it, dude. David Lee Roth is out here like commanding a presence of like two thousand people at the Roxy or fool. some shit. You're making, you're making whereas, a fool of yourself. Whereas Freddie, Freddie is commanding a like a, a small city. You're so silly, Tyler. You're making a fool of yourself. Like legit, this may be the silliest you've ever been.